Welcome to Category Visionaries, the show dedicated to exploring exciting visions for the future from the founders who are on the front lines building it. In each episode, we'll speak with a visionary founder who's building a new category or reimagining an existing one. We'll learn about the problem they solve, how their technology works, and unpack their vision for the future. I'm your host, Brett Stapper, CEO of Frontlines Media. Now let's dive right into today's episode. Hey, everyone, and thanks for listening. Today, I'm speaking with Andres Blank, co-founder and CEO of Fetcher, a recruiting automation platform that's raised more than $40 million in funding. Andres, thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me, Brett. Yeah, no problem. So before we begin talking about what you're building, let's start with a quick summary of who you are and a bit more about your background. Sure thing. So I'm originally from Venezuela. I've been, you know, a lover of technology my whole life. Started programming when I was very young and started building web companies in, in my teens and build like some pretty decent uh, companies, uh, especially for somebody my age uh, there, like always like tech focused in Latin America. Then the situation in the country, I was going downhill and, and I was still pretty young. And, you know, I was thinking about what, what do I want to do long term? And I just didn't see an opportunity to build uh, exciting tech uh, companies uh, in the country at the moment. So I decided to move to the U.S. I was lucky enough to get accepted into MIT. So I did my MBA there. And it was a really great experience for me. It gave me uh, a chance to get to see like a lot of tech entrepreneurs start companies and it made you realize that it is something that you can do. You know, like you start meeting people that they seem like the normal human beings that have a plan and they're driven and have a mission and they go for it. And, and it was something that I could relate to. So I started like right after the MBA, my first US tech company. It was called Pixable. It was in the photo, social, and mobile space. We did really well there. We grew the app to like tens of millions of users. And this is like the beginning of 2012. And it got acquired by a company called Singtel, which is one of the largest telcos in the world. And, you know, it was a really great experience for me. And I knew that I wanted to build something else after and and you know I, I got really passionate a theme around connecting with people and that's what led me to build fetcher and where i am today very cool and just to zoom in on a few things you said there take us back to when you moved from venezuela you know how old were you and, and what was going through your mind as you were moving to the u.s i was 25 and i think it was a really great pause for me because from one side obviously it's always hard to come from a country that's so different, right? Like it's a, into a new country, but at the same time, I was coming in as a student. And I think that that made the transition to be much smoother. And, you know, it, probably by the time that I was leaving, it wasn't that I was thinking I was never going to come back, right? So so it was, it, it was interesting how little by little the plans just it started changing and evolving. But it, like there's definitely like a lot, like so many cultural differences around how you think about work that and you know like even how do you relate with people that it always takes uh, some time but you know i feel that even though always moving to a new country is hard i think that i was well positioned to do okay with it and i think it was a as smooth as a transition as it could have been i guess nice that's amazing and a couple of questions we like to ask just to better understand what makes you tick is there a ceo and founder that you're studying the most from right now well i think that I definitely like love learning from so many different CEOs and reading books uh, around this. So there's like just like a large list of people that I can mention that I really admire. But like if there's one person that I find to be very inspiring, his name is uh, Mani Medina, and he started a company called Outreach. And you know there's a few things that I relate to with Mani. Like first, he's from Ecuador, and I'm from Venezuela, so it's always great to see 
an outsider come to this country and build something uh, huge, which is awesome. But the second thing is also like the process around what it took for him to create a product that became ultimately successful. And, you know, that, that journey was filled with um, obstacles around launching products that weren't working and then, you know, like wielding something into existence and, and making it work after many tries is something I really admire. I think a lot of people usually get really caught up and excited by stories like Jeff Bezos or Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates. And these folks had like incredibly rapid ascension to success. But I think that in most cases, it's not going to be like that. And, and finding somebody who has, you know, launched products that didn't work and, and stuck to it and kept pivoting and iterating until getting something right is something that I truly value and ultimately is what makes an entrepreneur great. Yeah, I study Manny as well and what he's been doing at Outreach, especially on the category creation front. I think they've put in you know, major effort there. And then also on the, the media front, they've worked very hard, I think, on you know, really taking this mindset that they are a media company. So I think it was probably four or five years ago now that they acquired Sales Hacker and got access to that community and then have been just building on top of that. And I think there's just a lot of really good, interesting B2B lessons to learn from everything that they're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like they really set a whole new way of thinking of a market that has been thought of before and they've innovated at a really fast pace. So a huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And it's refreshing to hear someone other than Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. I feel like Manny and Outreach are much more relatable and the lessons you can learn from them are much more tactical. I agree. As I was mentioned before, like when you start a company, like you just have to know that things as you originally planned are not going to be how they pan out and having the ability of dissecting the things that are really working and throwing out things that are not working. Sometimes there's a lot of pride involved and courage. So I, I think that that's what every entrepreneur should be trying to mimic. And I think that there's always room for more stories around being able to navigate a, a certain times, especially in times like these, right? Yeah, totally agree. And what about books? Is there a specific book that's had the greatest impact on you as a founder? Uh, this can be a business book or just a personal book. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a really big reader and, and I read like a lot of fiction and, and, and nonfiction. And, and it's something that, you know, again, like picking one book is one of those, it's almost like I imagine asking like a film critic, like what is his, his best film, which it would be hard to put your finger on it. But, but I would say, you know, like something that, that I read recently that had a really big impact on me is a book that written by the former CEO or maybe current CEO of Snowflake, Frank Slootman, that he wrote the book Amp It Up. And what I really liked about the book is really like how he simplifies the way to create a very successful organization and how he really highlights how important the execution side of things are and how you have to create a muscle to be looking at how you execute to get better at that, right? Because like what is underestimated in, in startups is how important velocity is. And, and obviously like you, you need to have the right strategy. And I think that's always like something, but I think that if you know your business uh, well enough, usually you can get to the right strategy, but really being able to execute when you're competing with like bigger competitors and, and with less capital and out executing them is something that, that I found to be like a really interesting lesson. And, and it's even a book that I took to my, my whole leadership team. And we spend some time just talking about that. Like, how do we, you know, create a machine that allows us to execute? And 
obviously it does start by setting really clear goals, but then being able to follow through them in a very periodic way. Totally. I love that. And yeah, I actually just finished reading that book as well. And the, the part I liked a lot from him was his view on the importance of having an enemy and you're declaring war on the enemy and you're positioning mm-hmm. yourself against the status quo. That's something that I just found really interesting. And overall, Frank Slootman is just a, he's a beast, man. He's a, he's an executor. It's pretty, pretty crazy to watch what he's doing. Yeah, no, and especially like at the beginning of the book that he talks about his story, which is fascinating. And that example you bring in about the enemy and hey, we know that like even like Michael Jordan, in his documentary, I don't know if he spoke about it in the book, but in, in Michael Jordan, his documentary, he would come up with this almost like fake uh, stories around how somebody wanted, hated him and he wanted to beat him. And, you know, th- there is something about this idea of having an enemy that, you know, like, a lot of people can think of it as like a, an aggressive thing, but it's really about like finding something that gives you more energy and harnessing that energy to win. And I think it, it really gets aligned with what can make people tick to really be able to push forward more and more. Like people underestimate how much of an acceleration you can have just by pushing yourself a little bit more. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I can't remember what exactly it was in that Jordan documentary, but it was something like someone or Michael Jordan was just motivated by someone like smirking at him and saying, good game, Jordan. And then in yeah. the end, 20 years later, he was asked if it was actually true. And he just smiled and said no. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Nice. Well, let's talk more about what you're building today. So can you walk us through the origin story behind the company? And then what's the high level pitch? You know, what are customers paying you to solve? So as I was finishing my time in Pixable, I really wanted to build even a bigger company next time. And I also wanted to work on a problem that I knew I was going to exist in, like in perpetuity. And, you know, a problem that I got really passionate about was this idea of connecting with people to unlock opportunities. And this goes back to the, the original question that you asked me around, you know, how was it, you know, migrating to a whole new country? And I think like being a student at a really good school was really helpful, right? Because it did allow me to get exposed by all types of people from successful entrepreneurs that started and sold businesses and making me realize that they're normal human beings to people who angel invest, to people who can advise you, to people who can connect you to investors. And I saw how, you know, some key connections can really change the trajectory of someone's career, including mine. So I was really passionate about thinking about, like, is there a way for me to create to productize that to create a machine that connects people to unlock opportunities so that was like a theme that i was really passionate about and and something i felt i did well as a immigrant who came to this country as somebody who finds themselves to be in like somebody that knows how to attract talent i think that that's like one of the one of my strong suits as a founder Mm -hmm. so i was really looking into that theme and we actually built like some consumer apps around that and then we started like seeing opportunities in the recruiting space so we were seeing that like recruiters were using a product that we were building more for consumers. And, you know, when we started really digging into what was happening, they talked to us about a problem that we actually knew that existed, but weren't paying necessarily too much attention to it, which is, you know, there's two ways that you can think about hiring, right? There's inbound, which you put a job application and you get people applying to the job. And what usually happens is you just don't get enough applicants. So really the most scalable way for companies to hire is with outbound recruiting. And what, what is outbound recruiting? Well, it's this idea of finding people who look like a good fit for a role and uh, messaging them and trying to get them excited to apply. And in recruiting terms, that's usually called sourcing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, LinkedIn is definitely like the 800-pound gorilla of that category. And, you know, you would imagine like everybody's on LinkedIn. Like why isn't sourcing super easy, right? 
And, and, and it isn't for, for various reasons, right? Like, the first thing is that it is quite technical. You need to really understand, like, how to create, like, a good search uh, string, what companies to target. So it requires certain technical skills that, you know, recruiters, they have, not all of them have, right? Like, a lot of recruiters are more passionate about people than necessarily technology. The second thing is that it's very time-consuming. So even if you're pretty good at doing it, you need to like look at each profile and filter them out because even though you can put some keywords to find people, there's always nuances in every job description. So I'll give you an example, right? That you want to find somebody that's been a CFO of a startup that went from 100 employees to 500 employees. So that's not something that you can necessarily put into LinkedIn and get specific results you have to put like some certain signals and then you have to like look at each profile and filter them out and after that you have to send uh, messages and then after a few days if they don't respond you should follow up so we started saying like is there a way for us to really automate this process and you know we weren't the only ones thinking about this like there were other companies in our space trying to automate uh, sourcing Mm -hmm. but ultimately they were using linkedin's playbook they were just trying to grab a database of professionals and create smarter filters so it's easier to find them and you would see certain efficiencies but nothing that would change the main problem which is how hard and how time consuming it is to source Mm -hmm. so what we did that was different is that we used a lot of search technology but we also added uh human in the loop so it's like a human layer that when a search is submitted it's being reviewed by people in our team and then the results come to the client so in that way we can really automate sourcing so you can going back you can say hey i need a cfo of a company that went from 100 to 500 employees in the SaaS space. And then you get results that are pretty accurate. And like 70% of the people that we find are usually contacted, which is very different from when you're doing the searches yourself. So it can go from, you know, spending 20 to 30 hours finding 100 people that you would send LinkedIn messages to one to two hours to do the same work. And, you know, there's also more to it. Like you can actually... When you start getting results, you can say, this is a person's a good fit, this person's a bad fit. So the results get better over time. So we learn from who you are. And in that way, we're really allowing companies to automate this really painful part of their job, which is finding people. And, you know, they can even automatically send emails without even vetting the people, which is really great also for diversity. So it's, you know, just to summarize what I said, like, the idea of Fetcher is to really build a talent pipeline for companies without them having to spend a lot of money or, or, or to take my, much of an effort. Nice. Very cool. And what are your thoughts when it comes to market categories? Is this sourcing automation? Is this recruiting automation? Or is it something else? Look, category creation is, is always, you know, like when I think about this, like holistically as a product person, I do see this like as a new category because the opportunities that I see is that from one side, you can be disrupting the act of going to LinkedIn, Talent Solutions and doing all these filters yourself. So it it is like disrupting the sourcing world. But the other side that's even more interesting to me is like how it's also disrupting the staffing world. Because what we're seeing is that companies would prefer not to have to rely on outside help. And the only reason why they do that is because they can't build enough of a pipeline themselves. And what we've seen with Fetcher is that we've been able to bring companies who've never sourced, that they weren't really using LinkedIn much. They were relying a lot on staffing firms. And now they're using something like Fetcher because it's much simpler, it's much more efficient, and it's saving them a lot of money on staffing firms. So I do see this category that, that we call sourcing automation to be like a, a new way of building pipeline. 
And what's been really fascinating to see over the years that we've been building this is how the acceleration towards automation has occurred, where at the beginning, you had like smaller companies, they just seeing this as something obvious, and you see bigger companies feeling that this is very core to what they do. And now you're seeing like these bigger companies saying, no, we need to automate more. We need to be more focused on candidate experience. We, we can't spend half of our time just finding people. So it's just been ex- exciting to see. But, you know, like when it comes to creating a category, it is a lot of work in terms of like building a market and, and, and building awareness. And like the way that we've done this is by, you know, just getting like a lot of clients that love the product and creating a community around them to let them explain what are the benefits that they've seen. And when it comes to building that community, is that a community of practice that's you know, really focused on sourcing or is that a community that centers around your product? It's more a community that's around recruiting in general, right? So sourcing is a big part of it, but recruiters, they have a lot of different problems and sourcing, I would say, is always on the top three of their list. But being able to just get people who are usually like you're looking for more innovative products than the regular recruiters and coming together and sharing like not only things that they're doing and around sourcing, but also like how are they automating other areas? What are areas that they really care about? You know, like something that Fetcher does very well is really allow people to build a more diverse town pipelines. So, and when it comes to diversity, there's so much for us to learn still around what does diversity really mean? What is really having a diverse company? Like, what does it take? Is it just like something about having a mix of different demographics? Or is it more about having a mix of different types of people that have different ideas? Is it enough to have diverse people at the junior level? Or is it more important to have like a highly diverse leadership team to be able to promote diverse people and for them to be successful? So, you know, like that's like one example around areas that our clients and our community are really excited about that it's not necessarily something that's all sourcing but it's also an area that we really care about as well and is this a community that lives within the product or your website is it a slot community or a facebook community you know what does that mean when you say community yeah so you know it's mostly like happening with conversations through email or and in webinars where now at this point like in every webinar we do we have hundreds let's say over a thousand people come in and we invite uh, from people who are our current clients to people that we met along the way. And we bring in some topics. We also have some of the people in our community are part of our client advisory board. So they're really looking at the product and they're really giving us feedback about new features that we're building. So that's kind of like the ways that we engage with our community today. Nice. And in terms of adoption and traction, are there any metrics or numbers that you're okay with sharing? Yeah, sure. So we have over 500 active clients right now. You know, we work with from very large clients in the Fortune 500 to companies that have less than 10 employees. I would say that where we're doing really good work is, you know, like one of the areas that we've uncovered that we love seeing is, you know, obviously in the tech arena, we do really well because this is a highly efficient tool for engineering, sales, product marketing. But what's been really exciting is also coming in and working with companies that are, you know, like, mature companies that they're still hiring, but they're not necessarily like growing incredibly fast, but they're looking for these key people and that they have almost like no sourcing background. So like maybe like large supermarket companies or or regional banks, these are companies that come in and start using Fetcher and the ROI that they're seeing is phenomenal just because 
they never really did much sourcing. It was too much for them. And they were just spending a lot of money in staffing firms and they're just seeing like a, a great return there. Amazing. And with that type of traction, what do you think you've done to successfully break through the noise or rise above the noise? Because it seems like this is such a crowded and, and noisy space to be in. Yeah, no, look, that's like one of the hardest things about being in this space is that like, even for me, like it happens that I'm talking about Fetcher and they'll mention like a new product that I haven't heard of before and that they have like an interesting approach. The most important thing that you can do to stand out is first, like really understand what your differentiator is and being able to verbalize that very quickly. And for us, like what we do that 95% of our competitors don't do is that we believe that the only way to automate this is with technology and human-assisted searches. And by doing that, we are really like taking a different approach to how our competitors have done this. And the important thing is for us to see that it gets validation from the clients because they say, I want to automate this. I've tried before and it didn't work. What can you tell me that's going to work this time? And you explain the human part and, and, and they get it. And then on top of that, you need to have like an incredibly intuitive, easy to use platform that automates a lot of the functionality around engaging, tracking, re-engaging. So that's like the other part that we that we do really well. So I think it's the mix of having that human element with still using best-in-class principles to design an easy-to-use product. And then, you know, like, that's how you start. That's how you get your foot in the door. And then eventually, the proof is in the pudding with, with your clients, right? Like, if you do well, you're, you're just going to get a lot of referrals. And that's how you grow, right? So eventually, and the recruiting community loves to talk and share. And it's not that they're sharing a thousand different tools that they're using. There's usually like, you know, in each category, there could be two or three, right? So the important thing is to be one of those. And that's how you end up doing really well. But it is hard. And, you know, as we get bigger, it becomes less of an issue because it's a little bit more proven. But Mm -hmm. you, you still have to continue pressing on that differentiation to keep building on that to be even more and more differentiated. Makes a lot of sense. Last question here for you. If we zoom out, you know, what's the three-year vision for the company? What we see now is that Fetcher is an amazing tool that helps you fill a role that you need to fill today. And what we see that the opportunity is, is to really like completely manage your top of the final pipeline. So it's this idea of us understanding what are all your open roles, understanding how many people you have in your pipeline and automatically being able to generate pipeline for you. And this is by either understanding who's applying to the job and using our same ranking system to understand, oh, here are some good people you have in the pipeline, to saying, oh, this role, we have no applicants, so let's automatically source and get 10 interested people to them. So it's this idea that as a recruiter, you sign in and you start your day, and it's already filled with interviews of people that you want to talk to. So a recruiter goes from, being stressed about finding people to really spending their time and connecting with people. Because the reality is, is that most of the information you're going to get from a candidate is when you talk to them. So we just want to enable a recruiter to have more conversations. And the only way to do it is by automating the finding part. So that's like really the big vision and where we want to get to. Nice. I love it. Unfortunately, that's all we're going to have time to cover for today. But before we wrap up, if people want to follow along with your journey, where's the best place for them to go? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn where we share a lot about Fetcher and the Fetcher community on LinkedIn is pretty active. 
So being able to just hear a lot of the updates that we're sharing there. And yeah, you can always email me directly. My name is Andres, A-N-D-R-E-S, at Fetcher.ai. And always happy to have a conversation with anybody who's interested or passionate about this. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for joining us. It was really fun chatting with you. And I really love what you guys are building. This is super exciting. So wish you best of luck in executing on this vision. Thanks, Brad. And thanks for the opportunity to tell more about Fetcher. Yeah, no problem. Keep in touch.